Talks with Agents Influence podcast back once again um, with the Big Wig series. I know you guys have enjoyed it so far. Um, at the time of this recording, we've already had two go out. And once again, folks, you're just absolutely blowing my mind uh, with the amount of listens. And, and it's not so much the increase we get, which is great, but it's the consistency. I can't see exactly who you are out there listening, but I can kind of look at your geographical and your different areas, and I can look on and realize that I've got consistent listeners out there, and it's people like you that are helping move this industry forward, and I greatly appreciate it. Also want to stop for a minute and thank you guys for the reviews that you're leaving me on iTunes and you're leaving me on Stitcher. Um, I take a lot of my time to do the best that I can to give you the best free um, information um, from some of the best people in the industry to make you better. Have no problem doing that. I'll do it for the rest of my life as long as you allow me to. But I just ask you to do one thing for me. Take 20, take 30 seconds. Go put in Stitcher in Google with Grow Program or Agents Influence Stitcher right inside the Google. It'll take you right to our Stitcher page. Write a little review for us. It really helps us in the Stitcher community because Stitcher's a little different than iTunes. It's an actual community that allows and it will tell its other users about the things that we're doing. There's, there's no bigger impact we can have than helping other agents hear your voice and hear my voice so that we can catapult this industry forward, the best industry God ever created. So without further ado, we're going to roll right in now into the uh, our next uh, uh, big wig, which you're going to love him, um, somebody that I've met recently and didn't had had no plans of bringing them on to this, this podcast. And after talking with him a couple times, my mind was blown. And I think yours is going to be as well. So sit tight. And here we go with Agents Influence Big Wig. <laughs> back once again and we're gonna roll right into it so it is big work month and I'm gonna bring to you the founder and CEO of simply easy payments now that's just one of many products that he has but I'd like to bring to the table or to actually to you into your ear uh, Duke Williams who is the founder and CEO of simply easy payment system Uh, Duke say hi how you doing Jason now I'm doing fantastic and so are all the listeners and um, so I'll give you guys just a little background. Duke um, and I, uh, we've got the book coming out, which all the listeners know about. And if you know, we've talked about some products inside of that book. And we do we have not put one product in that book if they called us and said, hey, would you put it in there? Um, the products that we mentioned that are in there, and the reason why I tell you the products inside my book is not to sell the products. That's up to them to do with the, their great product they have. But every time I give presentations out there, I always get the question of, Jason, what are the products you use? Well, Duke has one of the products that we reached out to him about because we were told from him by Steve Anderson and some other people. And I told Brian, I said, you know what? We're going to have to get a hold of this Duke guy because every road keeps leaning back to him. Um, When it came with one specific topic, there was a lot of different things. But when we talked about payments and how payments can be done easier, the road always led back to Duke. So Duke... If you would, um, kind of tell, uh, trying to give them a synopsis, a very a quick summary of who you are and uh, where you started and where you are now. Sure. Thanks, Jason. This is my background story. I have been in the insurance industry for 52 years, which belies my age. I started at age 10 working in my father's agency on Wednesday afternoons 
and Saturday mornings. And my job was to go up to the single calculator we had on the counter and rate all of the property policies that we issued in the office uh, and then type them up. So that was my introduction to insurance was rating property policies. Wow. <laughs> then wow. after college, I had a, a multiple year career as a professional square dance caller, but when I decided to get married, it seemed I might want to have a more stable career. <laughs> so I went to work for Crum and Forster as a commercial lines underwriter. And commercial lines uh, was not rated by the rating pool at that point, so I had to learn how to rate all of the commercial lines, and we had products in 50 states, so I had to learn how to rate all of the commercial lines in all 50 states. And with that knowledge, a couple years later, my wife and I created a company called Accurator. And we were the first or second, depending on what Mr. Rackley says, comparison rating company in the United States. And our business plan was this. We had a small farm with some horses, and we were paying O.B. Scott $50 a month to come bush hog the pasture. And we thought that if we could sell a couple of copies of rating software, we would not have to pay OB $50 a month. We could buy our own tractor and bush hog. And uh, it sort of got away from us. And instead of selling two or three copies, we sold many, many, many copies of that. And uh, wow. we had to back off for a minute and say, you know, we're going to have to keep these rates up to date. But we decided that was worth doing. And it took us three years before we had time on our hands to bush hog for ourselves. But we eventually bought a 1950 Ford 8N with a bush hog, and uh, we now do our own bush hogging. Wow. <laughs> that was our business plan. We suggest everybody follow it. It's led to a great deal of success for us. <laughs> when, we, when we created the comparison rating, we were always a technology focus. Our, both, both of us have a mathematical mind, and, and we're better at technology than we are at sales and marketing. And we quickly ended up doing work for insurance carriers for point-of-sale systems. And we were the first company to do any of that. And originally those were on the floppy diskettes, and we had to write it separately for the TRS-80 Model 3 and the <laughs> and the IBM PC. Uh, and um, it, we, we also actually wrote a product for Allstate, which we had to burn onto the chip, which we had to write in assembly language. So we had some, uh, automobile rating on a chip and 1.4K of memory. That was interesting. 4K of memory. No, 1.4K. Oh, my goodness. Holy so, cow. Again, our focus, our strength has always been technology. We're very, very good at technology. So that's led us to do a number of firsts, along with our carrier partners. We were the first to incorporate uh, policy issuance in the field. We were then first to do upload of the data into the agent carrier back office system and the first to do download of the data back to uh, the agency desktop. Although at that point there weren't any significant agency management systems, so we didn't have a management system to put it into. Uh, the evil thing that we have done in our lives is we were the first to modify the Fair Isaacs credit scoring model from banking to insurance. and. So I guess ultimately we're the cause of uh, credit scoring being used in automated underwriting. There's a lot of agents right now, Duke, that are loving you, and there's a lot of agents right now hating you. So just wanted to let you know that, Duke. You already know. That always gets that reaction, but I think it's only <laughs> fair to be full disclosure. Yeah, that's so, true. Anyway, we also created methods to use uh, to digitally interpret clue reports and motor vehicle reports so that we could do true artificial intelligence underwriting behind the scenes on a, a PC, which was an interesting project. Um, 
we with the field issue of policies we got into okay the carrier wants the money when they issue the policy so we got into payments at that time in the late 90s i guess and that led us a few years later to create simply easier payments as a way for insurance agents to be able to afford to accept card payments because the cost of a card payment is averages about three percent maybe more and an agent who is averaging 12 or so percent commission uh, that's 30 percent uh, profit you know nobody's making 25 and 30 percent profit in the insurance agency world and so they simply can't accept that cost right stay in business so since I had a long background in dealing with regulators and dealing with legal items, uh, we spent, I spent a year talking to insurance departments and banks and attorney general's office and banking departments uh, to be sure that we could legally structure what we do as simply as your payments to move the cost off of the agency or now the carrier uh, and onto the customer if that's the method of payment they wanted to use. And we, the payment trends uh, have been over the years that at that point, early 2000s, about 15% of people were paying bills with cards and online. But now, as of 2013, based on the Federal Reserve Bank study, 85% of all bills that are received in the mail are paid electronically uh, with not wow. a check, but with people go online and pay it with an electronic check or a credit or debit card. And that's, that's the necessity of addressing how your customers want to pay you. Uh, so we, we've had we've had a long journey and we have a long journey in front of us. We've done other things, which I won't elaborate too much on, but that's the crux of where we are today. Wow, I mean, to all the listeners out there right now, do you guys see why I brought this cat on? I mean, seriously, I mean, um, when I heard this, I'm thinking, wow, I mean, this guy has been around for Duke. Did you say that was fifty-one or fifty-four years? Uh, you've been in the industry. Fifty-two. I started. Fifty-two. I'm sixty-two. Okay. Wow. That is that is that is amazing because you know there's so much wisdom you know that that's that can be gleaned from you, but also just listening to all of the steps and the things that you've been um, that you've been a part of. That in my mind, and I hope you listeners see the same way, that that, that gave me, that, that set you as an authority in my mind. And I always love surrounding myself with people that are smarter than me, which is pretty easy to do because I'm not really smart. So what I did is, is by bringing you on, Duke, and guys, just keep in mind, this is just the beginning. So, so Duke, how, I mean... The thing we hear out there, Duke, is about, I, I was just at an Ivan's meeting uh, representing QQ Solutions. I heard this. I was I was talking with some agents uh, when I was over in St. Louis about a month ago talking about this. And this is, how can we get companies to come to, or I'm sorry, how can we get clients to be able to come to our website, say that they need to make a payment, and not leave our website to go to the company's website. Is this even possible for us to do? You're an expert in this. You'd know. Is that possible? It's not just possible from a technology standpoint. It's child's play. It, the, the difficulty is the business decision process of the carriers. Okay, explain what you mean by that. What do you mean the business decision? Like getting it through corporate, basically? Is that what you mean? Getting it through the management layers and the IT department, uh, their biggest concern is security, which shows, you know, they don't have a full grasp of security. <laughs> but um, 
I mean, I hate to be blunt, but that's just... And that's what we want here. We are blunt at Agents Influence. Now, let me ask you this. What do you mean by that? Elaborate on that. What do you mean that they don't... They don't... They don't understand. Go ahead. Uh, Company IT departments are loath to allow access to their back office database. And in many cases, this is well-founded because their database is so old that it doesn't have a lot of the modern things around it to protect it. But any company which today is taking online payments is already passing these three items. Is the policy in force? When is the due date? And what is the amount to their processor for electronic checks or card payments? They're already passing that data. Okay. And what we do is give them a platform which is exactly as secure as the most secure platform they could be passing to, to pass to and display on the agent's website. Okay. So they're already sending this information to somewhere. You're yeah. saying that you could provide them the same platform that you say is just as secure to where then the agent can utilize that platform to bring it to their website. Is that right? That is, that's correct. In the payment industry, there are four levels of security certification, and it's called PCI for payment card industry. And we are level one certified, which is the same level as Wells Fargo Bank and the Federal Reserve Bank and Visa and MasterCard themselves. We're one of a few thousand companies worldwide with that certification. So most payment platforms do not have to have that certification level, and most carriers do not have to have that certification level. So in all likelihood, we actually have a higher level of security than the carriers are using right now. Wow, wow, wow. So that gives you a big advantage there as well. And that also allows you to walk in and speak with authority to be able to yeah. sit. Yeah, because that's obviously one of their probably main concerns, not only because they have old IT, they have old stuff, they have old, you know, technology and old, you know, mainframes, whatever you want to use it. Once again, I'm just an insurance agent that, that makes some money on Facebook and does digital. I don't know all that stuff well, like you do. Yeah, but, well, I respect their concerns, but their answers to their concerns. And uh, they don't have to find those answers, but for a person in my position, I have to find those answers. Uh, and that separates us a little bit. And my challenge is to, in a friendly and helpful way, make sure they're aware of those possibilities. Okay. And so are you making them aware? How, what are you doing to get this in front of people? Well, we started a new product called Hub2Pay with the number two in the middle. And it's hub2pay.com. And the goal of that is to do exactly what you said. I, I'm so old that not only did I use a manual calculator and we only had one in the agency, but I remember when all the files were in, on paper. <laughs> and I remember when the agencies took all the payments. And direct bill came in as a blessing because agents are terrible collectors of payments. They're, you know, we are. by agencies on a regular basis. And they always had more in receivables uncollected over 90 days than they had in commissions that they earned in a year. Um, so when direct bill came in, it moved that collection function off of the agency. But as it so often happens, the solutions to our problems today, 20 years later, become our problems. And what happened with direct bill when the Internet came around is customers go to the link on the bill or the link on the agent's website to the payment page, and then they bookmark that. They don't remember their agency website. They don't stay with their agent's web methods. Mm -hmm. And they have a they remember the carrier that they have to pay. 
And so the agents have lost contact. And, and the payment activity is four to 10 times more common than any other individual insurance activity. And it's more common than all the others combined. So when you give up touching your customer with the payment, you have lost the chance to establish a stronger relationship. But most importantly today, you've lost the chance to remarket to them or to try to upsell or cross-sell them. If they stay on your website, you can direct them either on the receipt, you can show offers to them, or you can push them from the receipt to a page where you show them other relationship or other sales opportunities that belong to you. And this is something that your carrier can't do. No one has a carrier who tries to upsell those customers because the agency force would go nuts. You know, what true. Is selling insurance. True, true. I'm not even sure it would be legal. Uh, but I haven't bothered to answer that question. So the agent needs to grab, take back that territory because they that will lead to more revenue. The easiest sale is the sale to a current customer, not bringing in a new customer. So Duke, so does does your simply, besides you doing the initiative with this to try and make this onto the website, how does simply easier payments figure into that? Well, not all... Uh, payments are direct bill payments from an agency. Many are still agency bill payments. And what Simply Easier Payments does, the, it can be a normal merchant agreement where the merchant, which in this case would be the agent, pays for the cost of the transaction. But we fairly well established they don't want to do that. I can't afford to. Right. So what Simply Easier Payments does is it creates the only fully compliant and legal solution to allow the insurance premium to be paid with with the customer who is sending the payment covering the cost of the transaction and if if you don't mind i'll go through the three criteria that you have to hurdles you have to pass to make that legal okay please okay so there there are three legal barriers to passing the cost to your customer the first is the contract that you have with mastercard and visa and it specifically speaks to a term called convenience fees, which has a very definite legal meaning. And it allows in 40 states for the merchant, regardless of industry, to charge a fee to cover the cost under very strict limitations of the transaction, uh, in addition to the cost of whatever their product is. Okay. So when you go to the gas station on the interstate and they have a cash-only price, this is part of the, that set of rules. But they don't allow it to be charged any longer on debit cards. And you have no idea whether it's a debit card. And, you know, you're trusting the person to tell you because credit cards also have pins. And there's nothing that can tell you what's a debit and credit card that you have access, access to. Okay. So the first barrier is that contract. The second barrier is 10 states uh, have specific laws prohibiting convenience fees, period. And a convenience fee is defined as a charge that the merchant or their legal representative, so a third party, charges in addition to the cost of the product. Uh, those 10 states, which include states like New York and Texas and California and Florida, are account for 60% of all card transactions. So it's only 10, you know, 20% of states, but it's 60% of monies. Wow. And, and so that's very, very important. You have to clear that hurdle. And then finally, Almost every state has insurance rules or regulations specific to uh, cards and who has to pay for the cost of the cards. So in North Carolina, it's illegal not to have the carrier or the agent pay what the contract says they have to pay for the card transaction. 
Uh, and we, we've resolved all of those issues. We've spoken directly, I have spoken directly with every insurance department in every state multiple times over the years. We're the only people to get a published advisory opinion out of the state of New York approving our method. Uh, and the keys are that we are not a representative of the person receiving the money. We're a business relationship representative of the person sending the money. That we never commingle the funds that we charge a separate transaction for hours. So just like if you went to the post office to overnight a check so that it would get there before your policy canceled, you would pay the post office, and that doesn't have any effect on the agency or the, or the yeah. carrier. You pay us, and we send it in real time, wrapped in the highest level of security. So we're selling a separate and unique service. It's just we're faster than overnight. Gotcha. Uh, Gotcha. It's the same as if you went to Western Union and wired money. You pay Western Union. Okay, and that is also real time. So if you're dealing with someone that requires you to sign a contract with them that doesn't do a second transaction or that ever lets you pay them anything or ever pays you anything, then in the vast majority of states on credit card transactions, you are not in legal compliance. And in all states, if you're doing that on debit cards, you're not in legal compliance. But we've allowed ourselves to be structured as a unique separate entity that represents the person making the payment. That's the uniqueness. So for the payments that are not credit, I mean, that are not direct bill, the agency can afford to accept those by the method which the customer overwhelmingly has shown they want to make the payment which is electronically, either by electronic check or debit card or credit card. And, and, and is that reoccurring, Duke? We can make that reoccurring uh, transaction? You can make that reoccurring, although for legal reasons, because recurring billing is addressed in many of these laws, American Express has taught us to use the term pre-approved billing. <laughs> oh, okay, okay. I, mean, and, I, I can see why. I, I know these are details, but you know that's that's what makes it work is attention to detail. So, so if I'm an agency and I have a lot of agency bill, I could hook up with your simply easier payments because I have to tell you this. Um, we all know this. Um, I was told this by uh, a finance company that one of their biggest, one of the ways that premium finance companies make their most money is not so much off the interest, but all the late fees. Because, because those who use agency bill are usually those specialized, you know, pieces of business that don't always make their payment on time. Now they do, but they don't. And if you're an agent out there, you know exactly what I'm talking about. So what you're saying is, is that you could be another option, not for the premium financing, but a lot of these guys will call me and say, hey, what's the number that I call into to make my payment online or something like that, you know, or where can I call into? It, I, I, we don't need to get as detailed right now, but I, I imagine there's probably ways and tentacles that um, S, uh, Simply Easy Payments can make that system probably a lot friendlier to the agency and to the customer. Yes, it can. And, and while we have premium finance companies as customers of Simply Easy Payments, and I don't want to replace them, I have one, one of the customer uh, representatives here keeps making the point that, you know, if you've got one of these low rate cards of two or three percent and you put the whole premium on that and you pay it over time, you're paying a whole lot less than you're paying premium finance company. Now that's if your card is paying a high rate, that's not necessarily true. Right. 
I, I have owned premium finance companies in the past, and believe me, I never want anybody to pay on time. <laughs> yeah, that's that. I didn't realize that, Duke, but that's overwhelmingly where they make their money is on these late fees. I had I had no idea, but I look at a lot of my clients. If they're not on EFT through a premium finance company, they're usually a day, two days, three days late. You know, right? Wow. And, and, um, so the other thing that agencies use this for, and this doesn't work for all agencies, but there are some agencies in some states where the agencies can charge a fee, like in North Carolina for insurance agents that primarily sell personal lines. It's uh, not common for most of their revenues to come from a $5 fee for whatever they do, you know, an application fee or an endorsement fee. And you've seen this around the country. Yeah, 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 yeah. And I know not everybody wants to do it, and I'm not making an ethical statement, but we get used a lot by agencies that depend on that fee income instead of them going to the direct bill site because then they can charge their fee at the same time they're charging the premium and they don't miss that in fact we have some carriers who've worked with us gotcha. already through the hub to pay format to allow the agent to collect their fees so that they're not penalized by sending their customer to the uh, carrier website to make the payment and you know, I mean, you know, one of the things also, I mean, I just want you to know to all the listeners, the point is whether he's getting in detail or he's not, I mean, the point of what we're talking about is how important payments are. I think that's what we need to really stress because as you're talking about, Duke, you've got all these other payment systems out there, whether it's, I mean, any of your bills. I mean, I don't know about you, but I can't even tell you. I don't even know if my wife has checks. I really don't. I don't know if she has checks. Thanks do not give checks for the last five or six years unless you specifically ask for them. They don't want to give you a check because they're making money on the fees. Yes. So oh, gotcha. Didn't think of that. So when you go open a new bank account today, you have to beg for checks. They don't want you to have them. It makes sense. I, I can I can actually see that. And so um, one of the things I want to, you know, as we start to wrap this up here, Duke, I want to turn and focus. Something you said to me that really kind of blew my mind as you were saying, yeah, Jason, it's important for, you know, apps to be able to do this kind of service for agents and do this for the consumer and it provides, you know, a way to have. And I was telling you about how I love how um, big uh, uh, the independent insurance agent app that I have, uh, which I highly recommend to everybody looking at, um, is really, really cool because it integrates with the information with my management system. And so anything that's in my management system, they can see and all this stuff. And you said, Jason, that's really great. But the reason why people want an, uh, an app is to use it for payments. And right. when, and when yeah. you said that to me, that kind of made me start thinking, Duke. And I mean, what's, what's your background? What's your reasoning for that? Well, we were the first company, one of our subsidiaries was the first company to offer uh, mobile apps to insurance agencies. And the one you have is a very good app, by the way. Yes, it is. Um, agents haven't really adopted mobile apps yet, but uh, we keep track of how many downloads there are for people that do apps. And a good agency will get 100 or so downloads of their app. But an agency that is accepting their own payments, so being paid themselves, not linking to their carrier sites, but accepting their own payments, will have thousands of downloads because it's wow. the most common activity that insureds have that relate to their insurance. I mean, if they if they filed claims as often as they make a payment, they would be canceled, right? <laughs> if they ask for endorsements as often as they make payments, you would try to find a way to refer them to some of your competition. So true. You know, so true. It is simply by far 
the most common interaction they have, which is why it's so important for the agents to take it back. Wow, wow, wow. Basically, you're giving your customers away, and you're giving them away to people that don't know how to sell anything and probably can't sell anything. And so you need it back so you can keep selling them things. Awesome, awesome, awesome. So to all the listeners, you see why I brought this guy on, right? I mean, he... You've really, really opened up, Duke, because I know you did it for me, and I know you're doing it for them now. You're really making them look at the importance of payments. And let me, let me, let me ask you this. What can agents do to help make your life easier as far as getting companies on board to making this happen to where we're accepting payments because I really love it because really Duke when the way that you explained it I mean you are you're basically reversing what we did in the past and bringing it back to the way it was in the 70s and 80s when we were collecting all of the payments except you're just doing it new age style you know but you're bringing us back into the equation and I think that's powerful so let us try to help you what can we do as agents on our side talking to carriers to help you um, make this more successful and get this going quicker? Well, it's very much like when we started out as the comparison rater. The first comparison raters, carriers didn't know what we were even talking about. So what we need now is for the carriers that we are not working with yet, which is the vast majority of carriers. Uh, we, we have several, maybe a thousand users, but out of that thousand users, maybe only 50 carriers. And most of them are the smaller, not the national ones. Now, hold on just a minute, Duke. You're saying users mean you have agents that already are able to take payments directly on their website. Yes. Okay. We, okay. We have, okay. We have close to a thousand of those today. Okay. We've been doing this since 2006. Um, so we have to go to these carriers and say, we need you to let us interface with you. And the way to get that to happen faster is for agents to sign up for our service. They have to get a merchant agreement. It's absolutely free. They're never going to get charged anything. But it'll take about an hour to fill out the paperwork because it's a legal bank document. Um, maybe half hour if you have your stuff with you. But go online and sign up for that. And then tell your carriers, you know, give us a list of your carriers and we'll contact them and tell your carriers and your field reps when they come in, if field reps still show up, <laughs> and say, we need you to work with these people. Uh, are you going to do it, yes or no? And get your trade associations to push it. So we are, over the next year to 18 months, my personal time is going to all be spent on trying to get this message out to carriers and trying to get them to uh, work with us. And they will do it as they get pressure from their sales force to do it. Now, do you see, listeners, do, do, do you hear that? This is the power of agents' influence. Taking a natural force, which is being able to help agents, um, uh, help them, their clients, get take their payments online. Um, it's a natural force used to obtain a specific purpose. Our purpose here is to take what Duke is doing, because you guys know that this is something that our clients want. And just by what he's telling you, the actions that people are taking even on apps is letting you see and understanding that even if no matter what product you have, payments is important. We need to take what he's saying and we need to push that. You've got a rep. You're listening to this right now in your office and you've got a rep that's getting ready to come into your office. It's time for you to start telling them about this because not only does Duke, am I correct? The rep probably has no clue. Probably his boss and his boss has no clue. I mean, I, I assume very little companies actually realize that this is going to be this can be done, or do they know and they're just playing stupid? What do you think, Duke? Uh, 
we have to have a national conversation, and it's being started this week by a post that Steve Anderson is doing in LinkedIn, and you're contributing to it with this podcast, and there's some other articles coming out about it, and um, our job is to create a conversation. And there may be more solutions than our solutions. That's less important than the fact that the industry have this conversation. That's true. It has, it has avoided payments like the plague because it doesn't understand payments, and yet you have to get paid. Everybody has to get paid. Um, and we need, you know, the America went to the moon on something that's less powerful than a smartphone. Direct bill was built when there were no alternatives to big back office systems. Today, QuickBooks is better than any back office accounting system that any carrier has. <laughs> okay. I agree. And management company. Right. The world has just changed, and the reasons for where it was are no longer valid. And this is going to be a one- to two-year conversation. At the end of that two years, we'll have succeeded. Uh, but yep. it's, it's, we have to have that conversation. Yes, we do. Yes, we do. And that's why I wanted to bring you on, Duke. I appreciate it emphatically. Something that I forgot to ask you right off the bat um, is, uh, are you an iPhone or a Droid user, Duke? Well, I have uh, eight or nine different phones, all smartphones. <laughs> so I use them all for a variety of purposes. But the one that I have consistently kept as my own personal phone is a Samsung Galaxy 3, which is actually an old phone, but it's an Android phone. It's an awesome phone. I have the 4, and I'm a huge Android guy. The, the listeners know. Well, you got any... You got any have the five but that's not the one i carry personally <laughs> do, do you do you have any apps or anything specific that you like on there you've downloaded while you travel specific to insurance not specific got anything on there you think's pretty cool that agents need to know about i'm kind of i'm kind of putting you on the spot here but i'm just curious no no i, I tell you, i travel a lot and i travel a lot internationally uh as jason knows i'm going to australia new zealand right after christmas for a variety of reasons for three weeks and i spend a fair amount of time in europe on business and um, what I use the most is uh, email, Skype, FaceTime, which isn't on Androids, um, right. Maps, Yelp. Those are the things. And then I use Expedia, and I use um, the airline apps for the airlines that I'm flying on. Uh, those are what help me in my daily life. And that may not be what you want to hear. The other thing that I have on every single device I own is the Kindle reading app uh, because I read a great deal. Okay. And uh, how about reading? Um, uh, what is uh, – you're a reader. Um, I'll just tell everybody. I'm going to I'm gonna tell him. Uh, he, he tells me he reads about 100 books a year. Now, according to Jim Rohn, the famous business philosopher, he <laughs> says that if you read 10 to 15, uh, that the best CEOs in the world read anywhere from 10 to 15 books a year, and the average human, I think he said, reads like 1.5, or the average is like two books a year. And he's saying that he's up around 100. So, so Duke, tell us, tell us about a couple books that come to your mind that you may think might be interested. Once again, not specific to insurance, but just as specific to business and insight and, and just getting better. So before I get to the specific books, let me comment on why I read so much. Okay. Books and authors have become my friends and counselors. They're where I get ideas that I can't get from other places. And so, generally speaking, when I read a book, I'm having a conversation with that book, which is unusual. But 
you know, Warren Buffett says that he spends about 90% of his time reading. That's his main business task, and he does it at work. And I, I read at work also. It is part of my job is to read and keep up with things. So if you're running a business instead of just working in the business, part of your job is to read so you'll know what to do with that business. So from a business standpoint lately, I've been reading a book called Predictable Revenue, which is by Aaron Ross. And it is leading us to institute for one of our other product lines um, an outbound marketing campaign in the coming year. And we have not done that in the past. We've been experts at making sales through uh, pay-per-click ads. But pay-per-click ads are changing and search in general is changing. And so we're going to be aggressively doing this. And this book was recommended to me by a couple of venture capitalists. And I, that it had been used by people they had invested in to really grow quickly. And that was a pretty good recommendation. <laughs> and so which one was that? What's the name of that book? Predictable Revenue. I hope you guys caught the end of that title. It's called Predictable Revenue. Thanks again for your time, Duke. We got a lot out of this, and I hope you did too. And this also wraps up the Big Wig series that we've had for the last two and a half months. I hope you've got a lot out of it. We've had a lot of great feedback. Um, it's the reason why we do this every year. So once again, we'll start doing it again this next November or December. And keep in mind throughout the year, if there's any um, president, CEO, agency owner that you think that needs to be heard nationwide, please give me their information. Send me an email at jason at growprogram.com and I'll be sure to arrange a meeting with them, get them on the air, and to tell the world what they have to say. This has been Jason Cass with Agents Influence Podcast, and we are out. Thank you.